All right, thank you guys. Beautiful, welcome. Good morning, if you're here for the first time. I'm the preacher here, going to do some preaching today, so thank you for joining us. If you are here for the, uh, if you brought a friend, thank you. Uh, we have many people in the community that don't have any friends, but some are bringing friends that do have friends, so it's awesome. Now we're a, f- a friendly crew. Um, so welcome. Thanks for being here. I'll let folks settle in the back there. All right. So I'm going to invite you in, the, in this moment to just become mindful of your heart, your heart space. And we'll talk a little bit today about the idea of the difference between soul and spirit. And so I'm going to invite you to think about a, a sweet memory that you might have of some experience, recent, as a child. Everyone here has some nurturing memory. And so the soul's longing is to connect. So I invite you to connect with something sweet, something that activates love within you right now. And as we do that, I'm going to invite you to drop into silence with me for 30 seconds. But as we know, the consciousness that we do anything from is so important. And so from that activation of our soul and the connection with something that is lovely and beautiful makes all the difference. So let's begin our silence, then I will offer a a short chant and uh, an affirmative prayer. So let's begin. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. Thank you. And as we move into our prayer, I want to just take another moment to drop into some silence in celebration and recognition of all the people in our armed services. We celebrated Remembrance Day yesterday. And I was at a large retail store yesterday and they asked for a minute of silence. And I was amazed by the amount of people that simply ignored that request. And so I'd like to just drop back into silence with you for one minute and honor those men and women who've served us in the cause of freedom, freedom of expression. And so let's drop back into our silence for a moment.
In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so know with me as I speak these words in the I am, but I recognize in this moment in the soulfulness of this moment, the otherness, the otherness of witnessing the divinity and the God presence, the goddess presence, the spiritual presence within all of humanity. At times it is a daunting task, but it is our opportunity. And to go there first and to know something first and to allow that first knowing to inform my activity upon this planet because there's only one life and that life is spirit, that life is source. That life is this unified field. It is an energetic, it is a power, a grace, a beauty, a love. And so I affirm and know in this moment that that life, those qualities of being are my qualities of being and in the I am, I include you. All that is required is a yes. So thank you for your yes for where two or more are in agreement. It is done. And so I know that I am shifted and changed in this moment, that my spirituality is not some container, but I live it, move it, and have it with me everywhere I go. And to see with the vision of possibility, opportunity, to allow our past to inform us, but to not to hinder our forward progression. To have a, a toolbox of practices and awarenesses that allow each and every one of us to live in freedom, joy, abundance, celebration, creativity, opportunity. This is the movement. This is the tribe that we represent. For this, I give thanks. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation and invite you to say with me, and so it is. All righty. Well, we've got a few things going on today, and I'm going to invite um, our practitioners to come up forward today. We're going to acknowledge some of the folks that have uh, participated in our um, uh, curriculum this, this past year in terms of uh, graduation Sunday was what we would call this and so we're going to do this as, with as much love and grace as possible. Part of, I believe, what's happening on the planet right now is that we live in a world right now that is, is traumatized. There's tremendous fear. There's tremendous sense of lack, uh, marginalization. We see it in, in just about every area of our lives for a number of years now. We have seen these random shootings break out and people's lives have been uh, extinguished with no rhyme or reason for the most part. And this goes back years. We see the opiate epidemic going on on this planet like never before. We see the suicide rate at all-time highs. And I believe that we are a planet that is, feels traumatized. And so what, are, what do we bring to the world? What do we add? What is our conversation? And part of what I think is missing is that we have, lo we have lost the capacity to witness one another. So there are people sitting in the audience right now that have lost loved ones, and I know who you are and have been part of your journey with you, and it's been my honor to do that. But when someone of significant importance leaves our experience, we lose that capacity and that partnership of witnessing the otherness. There's a sweetness about relationship and otherness. I believe when relationships fall apart, the witnessing stops the celebrating of one another's journey and growth and challenges and opportunities. I'm going to talk a bit more about that today. So part of the reason that we honor our students is because we witness their willingness to step in and to examine their status quo or their, their entrenched ways of being and thinking and perhaps find a new way to think about things. And, not, and so ours, ours is a movement of pushing the envelope. Ours is not a movement of protecting what we have hanging on to what we have. We honor what we have. doesn't mean we throw it away, but we, we, we never arrive, and that's good news. It's ongoing. How can we serve this transformation of consciousness individually and collectively? It's so important. 
And so what I want to do right now, I've asked the practitioners to come up and just hold the space in honor to witness as well. I'm going to read some names here. Uh, at the first service, I don't think too many of the folks that had completed class were in attendance, so I had to make sure that everyone knew that they had not left the community. They just weren't with us uh, at the, the first service. So I want us to just honor fall of 2016 and winter of 2017. Those are our most recent classes. And, um, and Sue Edwards has certificates. If you're here today and would like your certificate, we have one ready for you that comes from our home office. So in the fall of 2016, we, uh, we'll begin with Foundations class, which was uh, facilitated uh, brilliantly by, uh, by Laura Cameron. You're very welcome, my... We're going home together today, so I'm making sure it's a happy trip. <laughs> it's also true, okay? I'm bragging on her because it's true. Uh, and so I would just want to honor. So if they're not here with us today, but to speak their name and to hold that in love for them and to honor their commitment, to witness their commitment of this journey, because it's a, it's a, it's a commitment to oneself, to one's soul's evolution. So we begin on, uh, on that uh, 2016 Foundations class. We honor Charmaine Delane. Claudia Polgas, Denise Stanley, Don Medinger, Elizabeth Vanderberg, Lily Yin, Michelle Denham, Miriam Kramer, Tony Milligan, McGilligan. And I don't think any of those ladies or men are with us this morning, but we honor and. Oh, oh come on up, Claudia. Beautiful. Way to go. I wasn't sure if I'm supposed to go with Yeah, you come on up. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Get you up here. We'll love you up and stay here up here with us. Okay, and then we're going to do our Prosperity Plus class, which was facilitated by Elaine Warwick. Uh, Elaine has been a longtime member of our community, uh, one of our practitioners, and she's actually on a bit of a hiatus right now. Her work, she, she's a fundraiser at the Windspear. She told me the other day, she said, I just have to step back a little bit. And we said, well, we'll let you step back a little bit. But we offer or extend our love to uh, Elaine. Uh, and this list reads, and I know she's here today, Barbie Lee Hemmings. So Barbie Lee, if you would come forward. Awesome. There she is. David Brooks. Deb Chavallo. Deb's here, I know. Come on up, Deb. Elena Brooks. Elizabeth MacArthur. I know Elizabeth. I haven't seen her today. Uh, we extend our love. Evrado Cabiro. Nope. Jim Finley. Jim O'Neill. I know no, uh, neither one of the Jims are here today. Joyce, Joyce Zelinski. And Nelson Hunt, Noreen Crone-Finley, Orst Zwardeski, Roz Stewart. I know Roz is here. Come on up, Roz. And Valerie Hansen. So that is our, foundation, our uh, Prosperity Plus class from fall of 2016. Congratulations and thank you for being part of that. All right. Our uh, winter of 2017, once again, foundations facilitated by the beautiful and lovely Laura Cameron. Amy Mecklenburg, Brian Alsop. Brian was here at the early service along with his wife, Megan, who's also on this list. Dwayne Baker Henderson is in attendance with us today. Dwayne, if you'd come forward. <laughs> Gustavo Guzman was at our first service. Gwen Blair. And his wife, Hildy Guzman, and she is with the boys at soccer today. Gus let us know. Lisa Freet. I know Lisa broke her wrist this past week, so I know she's home convalescing. Megan Arlette, who is Brian's Alsop's partner, was here early service for her certificate. Carol Irwin um, and Claudia once again. Claudia's already up here. You did both of these classes, so good for you. And Deb Chavallo. Elaine Marco. Elaine is here with us today. Elizabeth Vanderberg, Jamie Dodd, Jamie was here earlier, Osanka Fedko, Rhonda Koning, and Terry Kosinich. So that is our group from, uh, oh, I combined two, Power of Your Word and Foundations. That's what happened here, ladies. A lot of names on here. And, um, my second time through, you'd think I'd get better at this. And our last group, once again, is our Winter Prosperity Plus, and those folks are Avril Magara, Karsten Berg, Dave Rochefort, Diane Locke. Diane is with us today. <laughs> York Becker, Kelsey Redpath, Liz Lazare, and Liz was here earlier, and I know Shelly Berg is here. Hey, Shelly, come on forward. There she is. So let's give him a round of applause. Thank you for being part of this. So let's, let's say a, a prayer. 
in honor of this. And all the folks that aren't with us today but are with us energetically and connected to this, this tribe of spiritual revolutionaries because that's what we are. So what I know in this moment is as we stand together and witness this journey together and this unfolding of consciousness, of information, insight and awareness, adopting new strategies, practices in our lives that allow us to continue to awaken all that I am, all that I've been, and all that I will ever be, I am grateful for in this moment is our song and we sang this morning. Grateful to witness this journey, to know that God's presence, that one life is alive and dynamic because people that care deeply are on this path. We are not alone, never alone. And so I just give thanks, we bless, and know that the blessings of this moment, the, the experiences within our classes, our curriculum, the experiences in our lives continue to blossom and guide us, inspire us, and direct us and resource us in every good way. In great gratitude and appreciation, I release these words and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so abundance shows up. I am, we are the place where abundance shows up. So I have, few, uh, I have three ideas I want to just share with you today around this idea of abundance and why I think it's so important. And, and, um, and so the, the title that I like, and this is inspired by the work of Dr. Uh, Gary Simmons, which is Living from More Than Enough. Living from More Than Enough, which is a way of being. And so in, in Lynn Twist's Soul of Money, she talks about the toxic myths of scarcity. So I want to talk about those things, not because I want to celebrate them, but it's important to bring it into the light of awareness and I think offer insight because it's easy for us to fall asleep into things that, that many of us didn't create, but many people perpetuate these, these myths. So the, about 200 years ago, Lynn, Lynn Twist points to a man by the name of Adam Smith. And Adam Smith was a revolutionary uh, for the American Revolution. He was a philosopher and he was an economist. And what he said at that time was the natural effort of every individual to better his own condition was more powerful than any obstacle that got in his way. So this idea that the path is to get what I need in this moment at all costs, basically. He, he went on to describe the founding principles of a modern free market in which the invisible hand of self-interest was accepted as the dominant and most natural guiding force. And what we know now is that has propelled us to a certain level of, of humanity, and there's what Ernest Holmes would call the race consciousness. And yet I would, I would like to offer a different, slightly different perspective on that because I think that it's, it's um, apparent for many reasons that this system that we've celebrated and nurtured for so long is not is sustainable. Adam Smith's system of economics could be more accurately described as the allocation of scarce resources through the process of individual greed. And what it creates for us is, is an experience of scarcity or lack. So scarcity, is, as Lynn Twist would say, and it's a beautiful book about her journey, what propelled her. Uh, she took on this, this challenge and task of eliminating world hunger, which led her then to this experience in the Amazon rainforest with the Pachamama, Pachamama Foundation. And that's a collaboration of uh, awake individuals that want to help preserve the rainforest. And so her whole life has been um, crafted and sort of guided down this this path of ministry. But she said, independent of any amount of resources, it is an unexamined and false system of assumptions, opinions, and beliefs, this idea of scarcity, from which we view the world as a place where we are in constant danger of having our needs unmet. And I mean, it's so much a part of what we think and do that it's just, it's just natural for us to look at the, the, the gross national product or whatever it may be, and those become the determining factors for... Um, you know, I got a call the other day from some pollster about how I felt about the current conditions, economic conditions and the distribution of, of resources and things. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not equipped to answer all those things because all I'm going to offer you is my emotional response. And I don't know if that's accurate or not. I don't know all the intricacies. And I wasn't proud of that, but I wasn't going to answer questions based on my, my, my race consciousness thoughts about this. You know, but, but so much of our lives is, is around the economic conditions. And so, as we pointed out last week, that's not the case for everyone. But it's certainly the case for us in the West. 
So she said, it's not just those who we logically assume by observation live with so little, but also illogically don't realize that those who we have, who, who we have, tremendous, who have tremendous excess also suffer from the lie of scarcity. Isn't that interesting? That so many people, I, w- I would think you could point to Donald Trump. Do you think Donald Trump thinks he has enough? Of course not. Because the way he fills all these, lo- these myths is by acquisition. More and more and more. In fact, I've read stories about him that he cares so much about it that he doesn't typically pay his bills. But I don't know, I wasn't there. Just saying, but this, this is some of the symptoms. So nothing in their circumstances justifies their anxiety around these resources, people of great excess. Nothing in their circumstances other than they bought into the myth, the belief. An anxiety based not on circumstances, but an anxiety based on assumptions. So these assumptions... And Lynn Twist says that what I have found is that no matter where we are in the political, economic, or financial resource spectrum, the myths and mindset of scarcity create an underlying fear that we and the people we love and care about won't have enough of what's needed to have a satisfying, happy, productive, or even survivable life. The mindset of scarcity is not something we intentionally created. We didn't create this. We didn't, we didn't show up and say, hey, let's all participate in scarcity. But what happened is, is that we were born into it. And it'll probably be here after we're gone. But as she says, and I think this is important, we do, however, have a choice about whether or not to buy into it and whether or not to control it. It will control our lives. So the toxic myths of scarcity. There's the empty bucket. And there's three that she addresses in this particular chapter, these, these toxic myths. There's not enough, more is better, and that's just the way it is. So, there's not enough. We swim in a conversation about what there isn't enough of. There's not enough. Everyone can't make it. There's not enough to go around. There's not enough is the reason we do work that, we, that brings us down. It's the reason we stay in jobs that we don't love. Because there's not enough. And how will I be taken care of? I mean, this is a legitimate question. So, there's not enough is the reason we do things to one another that we're not proud of. Have you had anything done to you or that you would have done to another that you're not proud of? There's not enough generates a fear that drives us to make sure that we're not the person or our loved ones aren't the people who get crushed, marginalized, or left out. On page 49 of of Lynn's book here, last paragraph, she says this, that once we define, and this is from the toxic myth number one, once we define our world as deficient, the total of our life, energy, everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do, particularly with money, becomes an expression of an effort to overcome the sense of lack and the fear of losing to others or being left out. It becomes noble and responsible to make sure that we take care of our own, whoever we deem that to be. If there's not enough for everyone, then taking care of yourself and your own even at others' expenses, seems unfortunate, but unavoidable and somehow valid. It's like the child's game of musical chairs. Anybody ever play musical chairs? I hated musical chairs. I, 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 pay, I think I played it one time, and I thought, this is crazy that we're body-checking one another into the gymnasium wall to get a chair. I want to know the person that invented that game. I'd like to talk to them. I mean... What a terrible, and then, you know, here's your classmate. I just, I was always out. Like, I would walk around and let everybody have a chair, and I I wanted to get over to the fishing thing where you put the the pole over the the strung-up bed sheet, and you get a little treat in your bag, you know that one? I don't want to be, I don't want to be body-checking my classmates or being body-checked. It's like a, it's like a, it's just, I know you've, you've seen it, but this is this idea of not enough. So let's scramble and make sure I get my chair and nobody else. Myth number two, more is better. More is always better, isn't it? The problem with more is you never get enough of what you don't need. More is always better. More is better drives a competitive culture of accumulation, acquisition, and greed that only heightens fears and quickens the pace of the race. The problem is none of it makes life more valuable. In truth, the rush for more distances from experiencing the deeper value of what we acquire or already have. More is better as a chase with no end and a race with no winners. It is like a hamster wheel that we hop onto. 
forget we're on it, we forget we're on the wheel, and then we forget to hop off of it. We just stay on it. Boy, I know this one. I think we need more because that is the prevailing myth. We think we need more. The chase of more is better than no, no matter what our money circumstances. So we buy into a promise that more is better, but we never arrive. You can't get there. It's the hungry ghost that Gabor Mate would talk about. It's never fulfilled. And we, we, we never find that fulfillment. We lose the capacity to reach a destination. In pursuit of more, we overlook the fullness and completeness that, have or, that are already within us and waiting to be discovered. So I want to offer you this, this idea, possibility around soul versus spirit. And I was listening to a beautiful discussion by Thomas More, one of my favorite authors, and he's a big fan of Carl Jung and also James Hillman. A lot of work around shadow work, and that's why we brought this Q process to our community. And we're bringing it back on February 10th. We're bringing our Reverend Dr. Gary Simmons back with his wife, Jane. We're going to do another round of it. We're going to keep, keep on this and keep on this because you have gifts to share. And as long as you stay trapped by your past it's very difficult to have the fullness of the spiritual experience so our spirit our spiritual experience is geared towards transcendence in other words we have a meditation practice which typically if we're fortunate enough takes us out of the busyness of the mind it sort of lands us in the present moment but it gives us a sense of uh, an opportunity for for stress to blow off when I was 24 years old I went and got my mantra to transcendental meditation center They'd say that you're going to have memories, and when those memories come, it's just stress blowing off. And it was great for me to know that. Otherwise, I would have thought there's something wrong with me because I keep having these horrific memories. But the spiritual is about moving outside of oneself. It's reaching for something that is unseen, and it's beautiful, and it's lovely. That's what I would say is the spiritual. And Thomas More articulates this beautifully. But the soulfulness, the soul wants to connect. So let me give you a personal example. The great love of my life, the first love of my life was my grandfather. He died when I was 10. And so I was just, we were all crushed. My brothers and sisters even talk about this. I have 10 10 of them, 10 brothers and sisters. We all talked about what a loss that was for us because he was the guy, he was the guy that brought the love. You'd show up and you're like, ah, he's here. (sighs) Grandpa's here. So grandpa took off. And as, as I've gone along in my life, what I realize is I still have that relationship. And for me, that relationship has just gotten richer and more beautiful and beautiful. It's just a lovely thing to go there and think about him. Because the heartbreak I've processed and the feel of, feeling of betrayal and abandonment I've processed because he's on his own path. But the point is, the reason I point to this is that relationship for me is a soulful experience because I connect with him. So now, what, what, and so another layer on top of that, now I'm a grandfather. And see, for me, being a grandfather is a soulful experience. See, our spirituality, we need to take our spirituality to the world to have the awareness. It's not like we come in here for an hour and we're spiritual. You've got to be spiritual out there. So one of the practices in my life that is such a joy is being a grandfather. And because I've had such a great experience with my grandfather, it's like I get to share this gift. And then when, when I'm interacting with my granddaughter, I'm, I'm, my projection about this is the memories I had with my grandfather, whether they're true or not for my granddaughter, really doesn't matter, but it puts me in the energy of that, that unconditional love. Make sense? So the reason I point this out is it's, it's being in the present moment and having spiritual experiences and transcending this world is important. We need to do that because we are eternal. We are powerful. We are creative beyond measure. Wherever we are, whatever's in our life right now, there is more to give birth to, to live for more than enough, whatever it is in our bank account. Whatever there is. But as soon as we slide into lack and limitation, oh my God, and pulling our hair out because the world, you know, the world is, is, is collapsing. All right. The world's collapsed before. Economies have gone sideways. But, but it's not why we're here. But we have these measurements in our lives so that we can challenge ourselves. And so a soulful experience, when, we're not, when we haven't brought enough healing and clarity to our past... It's very difficult to go back and find those soulful connections. See, it's like what makes um, Thomas More says there's two things we can point to. Wine, you know, alcohol, wine, and cheese. What makes wine and cheese so beautiful? What makes a bottle of wine really, really wonderful and rich and typically very expensive? It's age. It's age. 
Huh? And, and, and cheese, you don't go in and, and just say, you know, give me, uh, give me the freshest cheese you got. No, you go in. If you know cheese, you don't want fresh cheese. That's that, what is that stuff? My, oh, Velveeta. That's my mother's. I, I didn't know there was cheese other than Velveeta. At our house, we had a good slab of Velveeta always ready and available. I didn't know there was other cheese till I was, uh, like, out on my own. Oh, they make something besides Velveeta. And, and I love the one in the little spray can, you know, the cheese whiz. That stuff hasn't been around too long. So the beautiful metaphor I think that uh, Thomas More points to, and I think it's true. See, life marinates us if we have the capacity to take a stand, if we have the capacity to endure, if we have the capacity, as uh, Orion Mountain Dreamer says in her beautiful poem, I think it's the conversation, is that it? The invitation, thank you. Are you willing to, be un, um, to betray another to be true to yourself? Because you know sometimes what you have to do, what you have to take a stand for. And that isn't sweet sometimes, but that's, the, that's what the journey of life is. But if we don't do that, if we don't understand who we are, when the, when the accusations come and the disappointments come and the heartbreak comes and the betrayal comes and the accusations of, of that may be accurate or not accurate come, it can crush us. But what it's come to do, I think, is to make us sweet and rich and valuable and to have flavor. We become just like the finest bottle of wine possible if we can stand in it. Oh, yeah, like Gary, Dr. Gary said when he came with us and he was doing the Q process with us. And he was explaining to us the dynamic of spiritual community. We have just, we're entering into an agreement. It's a three to five year process with the mission centric uh, ministry because we know that there's something beautiful that wants to happen here. But to create the spiritual bandwidth for that to happen, we have to have the capacity. We need tools in our lives so we can go. So when we get triggered, we can go and see the gift in the trigger because there's sweetness there. Ah, I remember that. That's when I used to think I wasn't enough. It's 21 days. I've watched people struggle with 21 days to, to embody a new sense of freedom. And this is not criticism. It's just hard. There's so much in life. There's so much been promised that, you know, I, that it hasn't been fulfilled. I, I can't do it on my own. Well, eventually you will. But it requires 21 days. Can you, can you gift yourself with a practice in your life that becomes part of the, the sum total of the way you view yourself in the world in a way that would transform everything over time? That would become such a deep and beautiful and powerful way of being. And it requires more and more effort. Probably not. Laura and I have been through it twice now. It's a challenge because sometimes you get up and you forget. Oh, I didn't do my sheet today. 21 days, Dr. Gary explains that. But the point being is we have to do some consistent practices in our lives to shift and change our consciousness. Affirmative prayer is a beautiful, powerful thing, but it is only one piece. A class is one piece. But to all of a sudden live from those practices that are powerful and beautiful, but to realize that there's a, we all have a promise. In Scripture, there's all kinds of promises that are written down. There's a promise in Jeremiah where he says, I promised you a future. I promised you a future. It's one of God's promises that comes from ancient wisdom. And so the destination and the transformation is really looking at the, those error beliefs we have of lack and limitation and scarcity and realizing that's, that's true for so many people, but there's something more for me to know, and I don't have to participate in that all the time. I can be mindful of it. So more is better is a myth. You are better right now. You are better right now. There's no amount of money that is going to add value to you. But we think there will. The toxic myth number three, that's just the way it is. It's always been this way, just the way it is. So when we say that, why even try? So it's just the way it is, why bother? Why bother trying to bring some new program into this community? Why bother? This is just the way it is. I mean, if we look at it that way, I, I think what's going on right now on the planet is this is the death of many things that don't work anymore. 
We are seeing the remnants of people. And I just read uh, yesterday about this new wave of, of political awareness that's coming alive within the United States. I got news for you. That wouldn't come awake and aware if we didn't have the conditions we have right now. This is how it works. Friction. Any, any women here ever given birth to a baby? It requires friction. I can't even begin to describe that, but I know it does from the women that I've talked to. This idea that that's the way it is, there's no way out, there's nothing we can do about it, why try? That is a source of resignation, of people thinking they cannot make a difference. Institutionalized racism, institutionalized poverty. This past week, I was invited to an anti-racism community conversation. Uh, Dale Lauderser said, you need to be there. And it was a group of people, and you know what? I was one of the few white people in that group. And I sat at a table of eight people, and the term white privilege was used. And, I, and, and, and you know what? Rightfully so. And as Dale said to me, white privilege needs to be at the table too. And to hear all their stories and their, their marginalization and the institutionalized racism and, and all the things that not part of my world because I'm a white dude. So I have had a lot of privileges that they don't have. And it's still working on me. I'm, gonna, I'm in, the, in the process right now of putting together, I want us to carry forward as centers for spiritual living, not just our center, but we're going to reach out to the other centers, and the season for nonviolence, which begins January 30th. And we need to do something this year to put a marker in the ground. It won't be spectacular or big, but we're going to be a voice for that. And we've already contacted City Hall to see if we can have some space uh, within that hall for a period of time and do, bring some music, bring some message. Because all this is a form of violence. And as a community, we need to be out there and be present and be spokespeople to, to, to this. And these people that have had a lifetime, a lifetime of institutionalized racism. You know, so where s- slavery came from. You know, there's still people right now that think, hey, slavery was not that bad of an idea. We took good care of these folks. Really? Oh, my gosh. But th- this is what we're talking about. This is the opportunity. Because what happens is when we think that's just the way it is, resignation sets in and makes us feel hopeless, helpless, and cynical. Hopeless, helpless, and cynical. There's nothing we can do. Yes, there is. We can shift and transform consciousness. She said there's, there's a way we choose to act and what we choose to make of circumstances, which is important. Myths produce a legacy of beliefs. She said, so for example, uh, Lynn Twist says her grandmother used to say, Say, marry the money and love will come later. <laughs> yeah, any, you ever heard that? Go for the money. Yeah, anyway. Marry them. And she said that's exactly what her grandmother did. She found the guy with the most money that she had access to and married him. And she said eventually she figured out how to love him, some capacity. I mean, there's a, there's a chore, huh? But that's, you know, when you come out of the Depression... I mean, why wouldn't you think that way? It takes a lot of courage to stand and look at your checkbook and what you have and not let, help, let that identify you. But the transformational thing about this is so counterintuitive because when you understand who you are, how valuable you are, just being you with all of the perceived flaws you have, with all of the heartbreak and trauma that you've experienced and not let that diminish you but realize, you know what? I am like a fine bottle of wine. I am spicy and rich and valuable. Beyond measure, you couldn't purchase me. Look what life has brought to me. Part of this is just living life, getting up every day. You know, to find those soulful experiences so you can go back into your memory. That's what the cue process does. It transforms those memories. Could it be possible this came for you to grow you and to, and to bring a consciousness and awareness so the heart math within us can expand? It's a heart math thing. Here's Lewis over here teaching our heart math, this little beautiful ambassador of love over here. Thank you, Lewis. The reason we do heart math is because heart math is part of this whole idea around transformation to drop into our hearts and know the language of the heart and, and, not to be, and not to be so wide open that we create vulnerability, but to understand our capacities to love one another. I love Donald Trump. So I know there's a divine presence in there. I don't like him, but I love him, okay? 
I know the difference. Because I'm not going to waste any of my precious life force energy in, in creating a, 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 a movie about this guy. He's come to inspire us, to take a stand in our lives, and to realize, no, 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 that's not it. That's just these old myths that Lynn Twist is writing about. When we have the awareness about it, we, I think we have a better capacity to be out in the world and make a difference. I'm still working on these eight people I sat with at the table. How can, I gave them all my contacts, said, hey, if there's anything I can do, I, can, I didn't know what to do. I told Dale, I said, I, I felt like an interloper. I'm just there witnessing. But that's the beauty of it, see? Here's one of the things that I think we forget. I talked about it earlier, but when we witness one another, we are a traumatized culture. All the things I mentioned earlier, the suicides, the random shootings, the marginalization, the misogyny that's going on, which is the hatred of women. When we understand who we are and whose we are, when we bring greater love to the world, it informs all of our relationships. And then it's not possible for us to do things to one another that we're not proud of. And there are more people alive on the planet right now that believe that and live that way than not. But we don't read about those. But to witness, to see one another, one another's gifts. I see what you've done. I see what you stand for. People come in all the time. They volunteer. They come in. They fold programs. They come in and, they, and, they're, and they're many, many people. I mean, hours and hours are spent as a board of trustees right now because it's, it's time for this transformation. People are being called to be part of meetings and strategies. We're, we invited the greeters in last week. We're going to meet with them at 1 o'clock today. Greeters are some of the most important people we have here to welcome people well, to say welcome. We are so glad to see you and witness that. How many people get witnessed throughout the week that you really see one another? And not in a spooky or inappropriate way, but to just say, hey, the presence of God is coming in the door right now. That we're here in service to that. What a great gift. You know, I so touched Teresa, she's gonna play my anthem later for you. It's my favorite song. It's my anthem. I walked in today and I said, oh my God, and there's a soulful experience, experience for me. She said, oh yeah, you said that six weeks ago and I remember. Thank you, Teresa, for doing that. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. That didn't cost anything. A little bit of electricity, maybe. Some time on her part. Lynn says, how are we meeting life? Or are we spending most of our time and energy avoiding life? protecting ourselves because we had a bad experience as kids. We had lousy parents. Get in line. Get in line. I got compassion and empathy for that. But you telling me that story for the hundredth time ain't gonna change it. You've actually taken life on, when you actually have taken life on, it reveals your soul. And it marinates us. And as you age, you live at a deeper level. Things are important to you now that were not important before. Things that you no longer look at as tools to get somewhere. We shift as we change. And it's not about getting this and getting that anymore. It's about the soulfulness of life and savoring life and being present to life, this beautiful experience, savoring the next cup of coffee you have. Here's, here's, here's Jill and Bruce that came today and traveled. And I'm going to bring Jill up here in a moment and, and uh, love her up. But the point is, is that, that, you know, to have a meal together and savor that relationship. You know, she traveled all this way back. She lives out in the east now, and she came back. Beautiful, beautiful singer. She said, I just miss this place, and I want to connect with my family and friends. That's, your soul brought you here. Yeah, it's like that connection. That's a beautiful thing. When you can go back and hang out with your family of origin and be in love, that's enlightenment, I'm telling you. I don't know, I think it was Ramdas said, you think you've done any spiritual work, go back and spend a week with your family of origin. <laughs> so Lynn, Lynn, Lynn uh, Twist talks about her experience. What got her ignited on this journey of awareness was a, a talk she heard by Buckminster Fuller. And Buckminster Fuller developed the geodesic dome. If you've ever seen a geodesic dome, that's what he, he was the father of that. But a brilliant man. And he went through a period of depression. He was walking out into Lake Michigan. He was in Chicago one time, and he wa was walking out into Lake Michigan. And he realized that his life was over because his son had passed away, lost a child, and he was in such despair, resignation. 
And he heard this voice within him that said, your life is over, but now you can devote your life to humanity. And he did that. And she heard him speak in an event with thousands of people in San Francisco where he talked about, I believe, that a world, I believe in a world that will have enough food, water, land, housing, and enough of the fundamental things for each of us that leads to a fulfilling and productive life. He said, it may take 50 years for that. It may take 100 years, but that's where we're headed because we know that that's what's awakening. And so Lynn says, here's some questions I want you to work with, questions to ask to dissolve the three toxic myths. Number one, what bounty and blessing have I received from the universe that I want to acknowledge and celebrate? What bounty and blessing have you received from the universe that you want to celebrate? I have a a bunch of them. Bunch of them. So many beautiful gifts along the way. And so the reason that I want that energy to capture me is because it shifts me. It changes me energetically. Number two, what do I want to celebrate about today? What do I want to celebrate about today? Once again, that's yours. One of uh, Thomas More's book is a religion that works for you. We are here to develop our own religion. Number three, rather than getting up in the morning and saying I didn't get enough sleep and going to bed saying I didn't get enough done, what if we wake up so grateful for the sweet territory of silence and sleep? I tried that this morning. The sweet territory of silence and sleep. (sighs) There's something to be grateful for. Waking up in the morning. But we just take it for granted. Once again, it shifts us and changes us. Because as she says, and David Stendhal Ross is one of her teachers, and he talks about the great fullness of life. There it is, the great fullness of life, the bounty. You know, we're going into the week of Thanksgiving in the U.S. We've already had our, our celebration of the harvest. But the great fullness of life. And he says, when you are in gratefulness, the great fullness, it's a bowl. It's so full of the fullness of life. It's almost dripping over the edges, but not quite. And it moves us into oneness with God, oneness with the universe, with one another. This fullness of life puts us into another branch of gratitude that he calls thanksgiving. And when you live in the branch of gratitude called thanksgiving, the bowl of life is overflowing. And you are so grateful there that there is another, there's someone else that you can have this experience with that you can witness and love. I mean, that's, so, that's what's so great about a relationship. That's what's so great. I mean, I, I couldn't do this walk without, without Laura in my life, my wife. We came here committed to something. When I met her, the timing was perfect. And so for me to walk with her and to witness her journey and her challenges, and she's witnessed mine, and we, and, and, but it has been so beautiful because now we are just spicy and flavorful <laughs> and grounded. And you can look, and, and God bless Dr. Gary Simmons this cue process to have things come at us and go, yeah, okay, and let it go by. Let it go by. I got I news for you. When you bring your best, when you bring your best, you got nothing to, to apologize for. Bring your best. Some days your best might be 20% of what your, your maximum is. Celebrate it. You didn't get enough sleep, you're probably not going to be 100%. I'm bringing my best. You know, somebody says something to you and you can't reply with something nice, like my mother said, don't say anything. I'll get back to you on that. Give me 24 hours to get back to you on that. 24 hours goes back, you still don't have something nice to say. I need another 24 hours. Renegotiate. (laughs) The fullness of life. She said, and it's a cycle. She said, it's a cycle. It's a wheel that we can get on. We can hop onto this wheel. She said, you're so grateful that there's another because all you want to do is give and share and serve and contribute. And that is so fulfilling that it puts you back into the gratefulness, the gratefulness of life. It is possible to live in this cycle no matter what your financial circumstances. See, if we wait for the evidence to show up that we're powerful and beautiful and wonderful, we are going to wait forever. We got to make that choice right now. We got to be in love with life. See, what's happening, we're traumatized. What we're longing for, I believe, as, a, as humanity, is to love one another. To love one another. This whole nonsense around this whole thing that's happening in Hollywood with these producers and directors and all that stuff, that is such an aberrant form of what they think love is about. 
Sexuality is not love. It can be a beautiful part of it, but it's the consciousness once again. But used as a form of power to diminish one another, then it's not sacred anymore. And so many of us, we, you know, we're so sexualized in our movies and our scripts and the things that we, we look at. And it's just, just like money. It's a part of it. But to, to, diminish, to diminish it and to marginalize people, it's inappropriate. And so to bring it back into balance and harmony, to, br- to step into that dance and witness one another's journey, that's such a beautiful thing. So we lose our way at times. There's myths about that as well. And so for us to live consciously, to bring our best to all of our relationships, despite what's happened, to bring our best each day. And that becomes our practice, or can be, to give birth to those things and to, and to, to dive into that cycle of gratitude. You know, these are some of the things that I want for everyone. Sitting at that table, at that table of racism with those people, I wanted that experience for them. And I don't quite know how you bridge that gap because it seems so. It seems like nothing's going to make any difference. It's always been that way. And yet I know that that's a myth that's easy for me to step into and then forget about it. But I'm not going to forget about it. I'm going to let it work through me. And I'm going to let that inform me and guide me in this season for nonviolence. It's been around for 18 years. And I'm going to invite you to be part of it as well. And we're coming up with a good plan. Simple, but something that we can step into. This mission-centric ministry, one of the key components of it, of it is outreach. Huge part of it. We need to look outside the world and see what needs to be addressed out there. Where can we be of service? In ways that are organic and you're inspired, not because you have to, but because we're so full of the, the gratefulness of life that we cannot not possibly give to one another. So it's a beautiful thing. And I thank you for being part of this movement and this consciousness. And I haven't forgotten about Jill. I'm going to bring her up, but not right now. So I'm going to invite our musicians to come back up and share my, the theme song of my life. And so it is. Blessings. <laughs>